0: Welcome back to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Earth, a podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in sustainability and how we can work together to create a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Namrita, and I'm very excited to introduce to you our guest speaker for today, who's also my professor at university, Dr. Govind Singh. This is part two of our series on Youth for Climate, where we discuss what role the youth can play towards addressing environmental issues and how you as a young person can get involved in youth-led climate movements. So if you haven't already, please go and check out part one of the series that we uploaded last week, where we interviewed college students to better understand where they fit themselves within the larger network for Youth for Climate. So to tell you a little bit about our speaker for today, Dr. Govan Singh is an academician, consultant and activist currently associated with the Jindal School of Environment and Sustainability as Associate Professor of Environmental Studies and Assistant Dean of Academic Affairs. He also holds an honorary director position with the NGO Delhi Greens. Dr. Singh has been an environmental youth leader from an early age and inspired over 2,000 students who went on to pursue careers in the field of environment and sustainability. In 2008, he co-founded Delhi Greens as a youth-led environmental organization and also played an instrumental role in kickstarting the youth climate movement in India and South Asia. The first Delhi Youth Summit on Climate Change, organized by Dr. Singh in 2008, was followed by the launch of the first Delhi Climate Action Plan by the Delhi government that following year. And so, we couldn't think of anyone better to kick-start the conversation about the role of youth in combating the climate crisis, and so we're thrilled to have him on board. So, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hi, Namrata. Uh, thank you for inviting me on this podcast. I'm really happy to be here interacting with you and your listeners.
0: To get started, could you please take us a bit through what your journey has been like as an environmental leader, and what got you inspired to work with young people on climate and environmental issues?
1: Uh, let me first clarify that I strongly believe that youth is what youth does. And there really is no age bracket to define youth. Of course, the UN and others will tell you that youth can be defined as those between 14 or 18 to 30 years of age. But youth is really determined by the freshness of ideas, uh, by having unlimited energy for achieving what you want to achieve, and by always feeling the need to challenge the status quo. So that's something I really very strongly believe in. Uh, My journey as an environmental leader began in my youth, where I took upon myself to create a youth movement against climate change and for environmental protection and sustainable development. What it also did was to help me continue to be a youth even after I crossed that UN benchmark in terms of age and I continue to work with young people of all age groups today, uh, 14 to 40 uh, to even 80 to address climate change and other environmental issues. Uh, My journey to becoming an environmental leader first began in school uh, where I was an active member of my school's environmental club uh, some 20 plus years ago. And I was made aware of the many environmental issues, you know, that were happening in the city of Delhi, in, in the country of India, in the world uh, at that point in time. Uh, that's what, you know, that's that's the change that came in my mindset. I was exposed to these global environmental issues, these local environmental issues as well. And I was also, you know, made aware and was given the, uh, the need to address these issues early on. Uh, I think I was blessed to have some inspiring teachers in school who did not hesitate to sensitize me and others on how the sustainable and harmonious relationship you know that human society has with the environment was constantly degrading right so this is something that I learned back in school that uh, soon I was made aware that if we don't do something for environmental protection uh, we will not have a very good relationship with nature right I mean a good happy flowing river could soon bring floods and drought And that should not happen, right? That's something that was ingrained in me in school, in my school days. So this inspired me to learn more about, you know, what I and my friends could do to help preserve this delicate balance of nature. And I started exploring avenues for higher education in environmental studies because I was clear that once I finish my school, I do want to pursue advanced degrees in environmental education, you know, make myself aware. So I have the tools, the knowledge to be able to help protect the environment. So I could not find many, so I therefore settled uh, for an undergraduate degree in botany, which I thought was closest to environmental education. But thankfully, I was able to find a master's in environmental studies in the University of Delhi. And I also became the first batch of that program that the University of Delhi had then launched. Uh, I followed this with obtaining a PhD degree in environmental studies as well. Uh, Subsequently, I went on to initiate the youth climate movement in India and in South Asia in 2008 uh, at a time when environmental and climate change concerns were not really part of mainstream media, right? Today, you pick up the newspapers, you, you know, turn on the television, you watch on the internet, many information, news items coming with respect to what's happening on climate change, biodiversity loss, etc. Back in 2007, 8, not so much, right? So this was, there was a need to create, to do something to ensure that the people, the society was talking about environmental concerns. So the political class could, you know, also be sensitized and action could be initiated for environmental protection. Uh, I've also therefore had the unique opportunity to closely watch this movement against climate change grow in India. And wherever necessary, whenever I could, I've also helped shape this movement. Uh, After feeling the need for doing more to develop uh, the environmental education sector in in India in the higher education realm, uh, I've also set up courses and programs on environmental education at all levels including, and more recently, the Pioneering Undergraduate Programme in Environment and Sustainable Development at OP Jindal Global University.
0: I think that's very interesting that you said that you don't necessarily separate yourself from working on this as a young person and that you continue to work with this. And so how did that kind of work then transition into what became Delhi Greens as an NGO? And how do you kind of gather the resources and people that you needed to get started?
1: Uh, Delhi Greens, as an environmental organization, was co-founded by me and some of my friends in the year 2007. Uh, there were many factors that contributed uh, to the setting up of this organization. Uh, our objective, of course, was to work for environment and sustainability. That was our main focus. But we soon found that there was a lack of uh, environmental organizations in the country, which were led by trained environmentalists. Uh, for example, during my own masters, uh, I was keen to undertake an internship in an environmental organization. So I looked, I scanned the length and breadth of the country and it did not uh, take me long to discover that most environmental organizations that were there in those days uh, were led by people who were passionate, agreed about the cause of environmental protection, but did not always have the right kind of training or the skill set that they needed. Right. So- so it was due to this reason that we decided to transform uh, the Delhi Greens campaign that we had launched, uh, which was uh, a campaign actually to save the heritage trees and River Yamuna in Delhi from the onslaught of the Commonwealth Games Village uh, back then, uh, into a full-fledged environmental non-profit, non-governmental organization. Right? So that's how the journey began. Uh, for me, uh, it became possible since the need uh, to fill the environmental leadership gap was felt by me early on in my life, right? I was the president of my school's environmental club. I was president of the college society on environment called Prakriti. I had laid the foundation of an environmental society during my masters, and I think uh, uh, it was a time, you know, this, this was happening at a time when the world was on the cusp of realizing that the bountiful nature, you know, that we have, that we think will keep on giving to us, uh, may soon stop giving us all the natural resources that we had taken uh, for granted uh, you know, up until that time. So I think it was also that time uh, when this was happening, which also worked in our favor towards the setting up of the Delhi Greens organization. Right. So the world had now become aware, had become sensitized that if we don't uh, start taking environment more seriously right, and not for granted, uh, we will soon be in trouble. So that's the background or the backdrop uh, with, with which the environmental this environmental organization was launched. Uh, Once we organized ourselves and once we registered as an environmental organization, uh, it was easy to partner with other organizations to work with, uh, to share resources. You know, many of our first campaigns and projects were basically not, uh, not financed by us as an organization, but was basically, you know, know, supported by other organizations with whom we could now partner with. Uh, It became easy to invite collaborations, for example, both with the government and with other organizations. Uh, It became easy to induct interns to work closely with the media. In fact, I remember our association with the media played a great role in our initial success. I think this was also because a lot of media persons work to cover news, they understand what's happening in the world, and they were also young people who had realized the need and importance of what we were doing, right? So that's how the first uh, few steps of setting up Delhi Greens as an environmental organization began.
0: Wow, that's that's very interesting. Thank you for kind of taking us through what that process has been like. So. But in this entire process, how difficult was it to kind of mobilize people into caring about a specific cause? Were you able to find people who are passionate and interested, but also kind of, you know, had the skill set that was needed in order to undertake such projects? How did you gather those kind of people together?
1: Uh, Environment and sustainability are issues that resonate with everyone. However, it also suffers from the challenge of being easily dismissed as someone else's problem, right? So that's the unique problem that we face often. Uh, So our first challenge uh, has always been to create campaigns to sensitize the people about the direct relationship that people have with their immediate environment, right? So this may sound very easy, but it's not, I can assure you. Uh, For example, when it came to convincing the people of Delhi that the water that the drink comes from River Yamuna and the health of the river is therefore directly related to, the, to their own health, right? It, like I said, did not become very easy. So we were given all sorts of arguments to, fi- you know, say that you know, okay, perhaps that's true, but it's not directly coming from the river. It's you know, there the, are you know, plants etc. in between. So all those arguments were also uh, given to us. Right. So therefore, it seems, you know, that you know, it's, it's something as common as this, something as natural as this, to say that your know, water is coming from the sky, from the rain, from the river. Uh, you know, it's we've we've created mechanisms because of which people are not able to see that anymore, it seems, right? So that became a challenge. How do you connect uh, people back to their own roots? How do you inform them, let them know that the fruit that they're buying may be coming from a supermarket, but it's actually grown in soil by a farmer, you know, not very far from from, from here. So that became the first challenge to make that connect, you know, between people and the environment and, you know, the resources and where they're coming from. So that's, I think, was the first step. Uh, It has also not been easy to convince the people uh, in in the city of Delhi, for example, and in the decision makers on the importance of maintaining the trees of Delhi, right? Uh, So through campaigns that we have undertaken to show uh, that the trees of Delhi are an extension of the lungs of the people of Delhi, right? How we breathe and how we are able to breathe only because we have these, you know, green trees is something that needed a lot of convincing, right? Uh, And... uh, uh, we've fortunately have able to make some change, but still we have a long way to go. So so that people can understand this connection that exists, right? So uh, that's I think been the key. If you're able to make this connection with people, uh, allow them to understand, you know, where their daily life requirements are coming from uh, from the environment, right? Then we have we've been able to make change after that. Yeah, so that's one. And second, I think a right balance of passion uh, and necessary skill sets are required. Uh, you know, for doing anything for environment, we've often found such people. Uh, and wherever either is lacking, where you know we have we have people with a lot of passion but less skill sets, or a lot of skill sets but perhaps need pushing in terms of the passion, uh, the Delhi Greens organization has created mechanisms to generate and provide these for those interested to work on any specific environment and sustainability cause.
0: Right. Right. So, tying back to one of the things that you said earlier on about how it was at school when you discovered your interest for environmental science, uh, I wanted to understand how big of a role do you think education, particularly at an early age, would play in inculcating a sense of environmental consciousness within children? And of course, while environmental education isn't limited to just the kind of schooling that they do, do you still feel that there's a need to maybe rethink the current school's curriculum or pedagogies to make it more climate conscious? Or is, are there any skill sets that children today could benefit from learning at an early age?
1: Uh, Primary education certainly plays an important role in a student's life. In fact, school being the first stepping stone for uh, lifelong learning can really help shape the understanding of a relationship as a society with nature. Uh, I say this also based on my own experience of working with the Delhi Greens organization and of course now with the university as well, where I often find that the best of interns and students come from schools that have a demonstrated reputation of giving due importance to environmental education. Therefore, I think our education system and the bureaucracy that manages it uh, must take note of this since uh, incentivizing environmental education in the school curriculum can go a long way in protecting and preserving the environment and for sustainable development of the country. Uh, If schools and the teachers integrate environmental education in the formal learning process or perhaps maybe involve students uh, in eco clubs, in nature club like activities, it may seem like just another school activity, you know, just one of the many activities that a school is organizing. But I think it has a long term advantage of creating environmentally conscious citizens. Right. So therefore, it will really make a big difference if this can be done, uh, if schools can be encouraged to do this, if there is like an incentive mechanism. And I, of course, mentioned earlier in my, that my own interest if, of working in the environmental sector for environmental protection uh, began when I was in school. So I can share that my school was one of the first schools in Delhi to kickstart the anti-cracker campaign due to air pollution right and there were similarly many other activities campaigns uh, events that I was part of in school which at that point in time seemed like just another activity but when I now look back I can understand how it helped uh, shape my own opinion my own understanding you know of how it helped make me an eco-conscious are a globally responsible citizen. So I think, therefore, schools certainly have this responsibility. And the decision makers uh, must understand this. You know, they should must use this to their advantage to ensure that schools can be engaged in a meaningful way, can be encouraged to do this more. So they can, you know, certainly help in a larger uh, way for environmental protection, for, you know, kind of inspiring citizens as, you know, young students, you know, kind of sowing the seed of environmentalism in them at the right point. Uh, So therefore, with this need today to sensitize every citizen for taking climate action and for helping mitigate and adapt to climate change, I think integrating this uh, climate education in school education can really help uh, bring the green change that we so desperately need today.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. In last week's episode, I interviewed a bunch of students about their thoughts on youth's role for climate change. And I thought it would be interesting if you could share some of your thoughts on some of the questions that they had raised. So one of the first things that was a kind of common theme across all of them was that a lot of them were unsure what they could do in an individual capacity in a way that it would create significant impact. So can individuals really realistically even do anything that is worthy of impact and how can they kind of go about in achieving that?
1: I think that is a wonderful question. And I can imagine that the terms like global warming, uh, global environmental pollution, global biodiversity loss, It may seem that such global problems need or can be addressed only at the global level, and that too by world leaders, right? I mean, young people will often feel that it's not for them or, you know, they can't contribute enough. And to some extent, uh, I think this is also true because uh, these are, in fact, transboundary issues that need top-down policy changes for them to be, you know, addressed and solved. However, the news that I have for all young people listening uh, to this podcast right now is that while world leaders are aware of these global environmental problems, these sustainability challenges, they're not able to do much to bring the kind of change that we urgently need today. Uh, We frequently see policy changes, uh, meetings fail or often not reach any conclusion. It is much more common than you can imagine. Uh, It's also very common for elected leaders who, who have come to power for what four to five years to simply ignore and pass on the responsibility of green change to a different government. This has happened for many times in the last few decades. Uh, therefore, young people today need to play a big role, uh, which is of holding the policy makers and world leaders accountable. I think that's really upon you. Uh, it's your future which is at stake, since you will be the one bearing the consequences of inaction today. Uh, I also don't like saying this, but I wish it was also not like this but if young people don't start demanding change today uh, the status quo will not uh, you know will will remain what it is it will not uh, let you live a good happy life in the near future it will make your life miserable inaction on climate change today is no longer an option this is understood by all we are bearing the consequences seeing witnessing the you know the impacts uh, in real time but unfortunately this urgency is not shared by all world leaders today And so uh, I say this, that young people today need to start making themselves and others aware, uh, sensitized on the need to take action for environmental protection and sustainability. I think that's something very important that young people today need to do. And I think this podcast uh, by you is itself a wonderful example of such an initiative for raising awareness on uh, this important issue. So all young people today are urged to be the change that they wish to see in the world and hope. Uh, I really hope that change is green and sustainable planet that they want to get for themselves. I can also add here or introduce a quote uh, from John Muir, the founder of Sierra Club Organization in the US, uh, where he said that when one tugs at a single thing in nature, one finds that it is connected to the rest of the world. So if you have, for example, a landfill you know near your house or in your city and you've seen it grow, right? Uh, you should know that your waste is contributing to its growth. Right? So therefore, think of ways on how you can reduce, uh, reuse, recycle at home, maybe take a step to segregate waste at home, make your home a zero waste home so that you're able to minimize the amount of waste that leaves from your house. <clears throat> so landfills, uh, as we are aware today, are key point sources of pollution and greenhouse gas emissions. Right? So therefore, if you are able to contribute uh, to ensure that you know, there is less waste going from your house, it also means that you're contributing in a big way to prevent global warming and climate change. And similarly, think of other ways of greening your lifestyle. Uh, Let me perhaps also remind you of the message given to all of you by our former president, uh, APJ Abdul Kalam, where he said uh, that small aim uh, is a crime. He said, have a great aim. You know, that's the message he had for all, all young people. And I think he said that because he was aware that today's youth is empowered with so much technology and information that you can really do anything you set your heart and mind to. Right? So, if you make this your aim, if your aim is to have uh, or to live on a clean, green and sustainable planet, I think uh, personally, I think you don't need me or anyone to tell you how to achieve this. right? So I think all of you have the solutions within yourself. It's just for all of you to you know come together, realize the need, the importance to you know be making a green change and just start doing that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely., yeah, I completely agree. Thank you, thank you so much for saying that. With that, we come to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. It was very insightful and I'm very glad that we got to do this because I hope it inspires our young listeners to take action in their
1: own ways. Thank you, Namrata, for having me with you and for this wonderful initiative.
0: Please join us on this learning experience and subscribe to our podcast on your preferred streaming platform so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes on similar topics. And while you're at it, do check out our website, www.kipoxid.com, Instagram, and Twitter handles. Hope you have a pleasant experience being on board with us as we discuss uncomfortable topics for a comfortable future. (music)